2: welcome to the runners world podcast with me ben hobson
1: and me jane mcguire
2: today our guest is hill runner and author ali bevan who joins us to talk about his new book broken which celebrates the rise of the fkt hey jane here's a here's another fkt for you fastest known tech right
1: okay right yeah uh,
2: it's just a it's just a terrible pun um, it's, it's related to the half marathon record was smashed at the weekend. And for once it was not a Nike shoe that was being worn by the winner. Um, Kibblewatt Candy ran a 57.32 in the new Adidas, Adizero, Adios Pros. So, uh, there's a bit of a, a bit of a hot take in the world of the shoe wars. It's, there's a, you know, there's a new kid on the block. Um,
1: it is, I've, um, I read, a uh... Fascinating article that everyone should go on to runnerswells slash UK. That's right, isn't it? Yes. And yes. Um, by our very own Kerry McCarthy this morning and he actually called this a rival to the the um the old swoosh um earlier in the year. So I'm not saying that Kerry predicted this, but he he was impressed. I think he's the member of the team who's running this shoe and he's kinda of given it his thumbs up, so yeah.
2: Not to sort of delve too much into the shoes again because we do. I feel like we spend a lot of time talking about them, but they are very interesting. Um, so they conform to the forty mil f- rule of foam, you know. Uh, which actually, when you were uh, for the Alpha Fly launch in New York last year, yeah. that was kind of when World Athletics had introduced this rule that, well, two rules that you couldn't prototypes weren't allowed to be used in races, and that they had to have a, a stack height of no more than forty mil uh and what's happened is world athletics actually at the weekend just on the day that this record was broken they've changed changed the rules which allows prototypes of shoes to be used in all races except the world athletic series or the olympic games so that kind of opens up a bit of a a sort of a new era shall we say whereas i think that when those rules first came in it was kind of to to curtail the dominance of one brand and I guess now that other brands have caught up it's it's kind of okay but anyway it's gonna it's gonna see some records broken and I think that yeah the ongoing debate right whether or not this this degree of technology is advantageous or not for the sport is is gonna continue
1: yeah I think I don't know i have I have mixed feelings because I think when um Sarah Hall did that amazing run at the women's um, elite London marathon everyone was instantly like oh what's she wearing that she's not legal blah 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 blah." and you kind of think oh actually she did one of the most amazing runs I've ever seen in my life and we're all worrying about what's on her feet so I do think this whole trainer chat takes away from the skill of the athletes but I also understand that you know in 2021 everyone will be running in platforms won't they if there was no regulation <laughs> yeah. so yeah
2: I mean, if they, if they,
1: you've got to have some rules if they get in. rid of
2: the 40 millimeter rule then absolutely everything's going to go insane there's just going to be like inspector gadget type springs and everything, and all sorts of stuff. But
1: yeah, like a, like a flying shoe, like you know, those people in like Dubai that are always <laughs> spinning in the air on those weird things that's what's that sort
2: of thing. That's the future. See, predicted here first by uh, Run World's well Jane Maguire. <laughs> predicted, <yes>. um,
1: <laughs> run, like Dubai hoverboard things. Um, um, but yeah, how's
2: your running been, Jane?
1: It's been okay. I have, um, I t- took some time off to do some nice, easy running and gave, got got a cold. Um, it's, you know, I love winter running. I love w- running when it's really cold. Um, so once I've got rid of this cold, I'll be kind of back out there enjoying the kind of really easy wintery miles. What about you? Uh,
2: yeah, it's just been nice. I've nothing, I I mean, I haven't had got any single challenges uh, coming up or planned or set or anything like that. Um, and I'm I'm kind of fine with that. I think it would be nice to... I guess I'm... I don't want to give myself the false hope of, like, training for something not happening. I don't know. I've spoken to a few friends recently about it. And their running is, like, sort of based around definitely racing and stuff like that. I'm sort of watching them go through the turmoil of something being delayed and then rescheduled and then actually moved and and then cancelled. I'm kind of happy that I'm not doing anything like that at the moment. But... I am beginning, to, and I wasn't a massive racer before, but I am definitely miss, missing the, the, the idea that, you know, you try and get yourself in a bit of form for something coming up. That's, yeah, I look forward to something happening. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I think it was, I think at the beginning of the year, I kind of, again, anyone who listened to me rambling on this podcast will have already remembered this. That at the beginning of the year, I was like, oh, I'm really over racing. I can't cope with the like 16 week pressure blah 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 blah, and I purposely put all my races off and now yeah now I kind of feel similar I'm kind of like oh it's a bit of a shame I'll probably wait till autumn next year for the world to hopefully be a bit more normal but um I would kind of like I don't know I still want to do a triathlon so maybe 2021's the year of the triathlon for me watch this space everyone (laughs) well
2: I mean this moves quite nicely into our guests this week um Ali Bevan, who's written a book about, uh, I guess, the the rise of the FKT, the fastest known time, people attempting to break or set new times for different uh, routes around the country. But anyway, before I explain exactly what he's going to talk about, we should probably just talk to our guest of the week.
1: Yeah. I also want to tell the listener that after this chat, I got my local legend status back. (laughs) So if anyone was listening, thinking, oh, no, she's lost it. I haven't. I'm back. Wow. So, listen to the chat and get excited about that.
2: <laughs> All right, this is Ali Bevan, our guest of, guest of the week.
1: Guest of the week, here in the studio.
2: Guest of the week, sometimes on the phone. Could be an
1: athlete, could be a physio, or a complete unknown.
2: Attempting to break long-distance running records used to be an underground endeavor, until the virus-stricken summer of 2020 came along. Only a few, such as the Bob Graham Round in the Lake District, have ever been broken in mainstream consciousness. But an absence of running races resulted in an unprecedented rise in the popularity of the FKT or fastest known time. In his new book, Broken, Ali Bevin takes an entertaining look at the growing phenomenon, and he's here on the podcast to tell us more. Ali, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Um, I've sort of explained it already, but what if anyone's unfamiliar with the concept? What is meant by an FKT?
3: Um, it stands for fastest known time, and it's um, it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's, <laughs> pretty- it's a fairly self-explanatory term. Um, uh, it's an Americanism,
2: and it's relatively recent. Um, These sorts of endeavours have always been. I mean, you can you'll absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but they're quite sort of underground. It's normally ultras. It's kind of big distance stuff on like big lot of uh, famous old trails. It's that kind of stuff, really, isn't it?
3: Yeah. So. Uh, I suppose in the UK things like the Pennine way and the Bob Graham would be the the most famous examples.
2: and why do you think Fkts have really sort of i mean caught the public's eye this year why runners are sort of taking to them as you know as a means to sort of have a an achievement for the year do you think
3: um, they've been they've been growing in popularity for a while um that's probably just in line with the growth in popularity of ultra running full right. stop but yeah. you know you talk to the people at the bob graham club their membership numbers have been going up year on year for however long and then this year yeah there's nothing else to do is there there's no racing. <laughs> <laughs> people are people are restricted in terms of where they can go so they're looking closer to home um, for some people they've got a whole load of time on their hands because they're off work they can do loads of training get into really good shape and then they need an outlet for it
1: we're not talking like i don't have to go and run the bob graham round i could just run up and down my street and get a fastest known time for that right
3: i mean if you wanted to <laughs> so,
1: but like you can just you can create your own challenges the beauty of it, isn't it
3: yeah yeah you can you can absolutely um and some of these things are going to be more prestigious than others right I like, can. Um,
1: You say that, but wait till I get the fastest known time in Clapham, watch out. Well, it
3: needs to start somewhere, right? (laughs) Like, you know, first it's you and you never know next year, maybe like Bridget Cosguy comes and runs
2: up and down your street. Once Killian's finished with this 24-hour stuff, you know, (laughs) he's
3: he's going to be all over these. I've heard
1: he's set his sights on Clapham, so I'm ready. Bring it on. (laughs) But what do you think is the most, um, there's been loads of them. I've, I've not tried to set a fastest known time yet. But what's the most impressive when you think has come out of this crazy year of people setting their own running challenges?
3: You know, the whole way through the book, I tried really, really hard not to give an answer to that. Oh. Um, <laughs> different things are impressive for different reasons, right? And um, the whole FKT's records thing is really, really broad. And so you have people like Beth Pascal breaking the Bob Graham record, where although it's very long, the main thing is athleticism. Beth's a really good athlete. She went out and ran really hard. And you end up with something that's very, very impressive. Whereas something like um, Lands End to Jonah Groats, which is 10 days for Dan Lawson, 12 days for carl Malnaro, or to go even further than that, Um, Donnie Campbell's Monroe round, which took a month. Um, It's impressive in a different way. You know, there's... Just those guys get up morning after morning and just go all day. And I... I think I struggle to understand that more than I would struggle to understand someone like Beth or Finley Wild. It's just something that's... The thing that makes those guys really good is is harder to pin down.
1: Yeah. It's like something I guess like mentally strong, not just like crazy running for weeks and weeks on end.
3: Yeah. And they're also they're really good athletes as well. Yeah. Like that. But um, yeah, I I don't quite know what it is that allows them to do that. Um, and if you, if you want a much clearer demonstration of it there's a really good film that came out just this last weekend of Dan Lawson's Land's End to John Gro. And some of the shots of him starting running on the last few days are just horrible to watch because he can't <laughs> yeah. do it he can't run he it takes him a
2: mile to sort of break into that running gait because he's just so sore now it's, it has been uh hugely impressive i have a, um a running acquaintance james brewster who set a, a, an fkt on the Greensand way this year um and that was a day just the one day, forty-four minutes. So that's you know, and then you think about that, and you're like, "Man, that's a that's a whole day." <laughs> uh-huh. And that in my head it's just like, "Oh yeah, like that is that is a long time on the feet." And then yeah, you you bring that up to like Le jog and things like that, and it's like oh, this is you know these these fastest known time things are huge feats of athletic ability and mental rigidity because you know you're you're putting yourself through some crazy things.
3: Yeah, and, and people like Dan and Donny, if you were out with them, if you were with them for the for the duration of their of their runs, you would see dozens of perfectly legitimate reasons to stop. Yeah. You know, Donnie had tendonitis from day four of his Monroe round. Dan was just could barely move and to persevere through all of that stuff is wild i can't if it yeah i think mean, silly as it sounds to say if it was me i would yeah i'd never make it i'd just give up at the first opportunity
2: oh 100 percent. yeah i would too there's, there's I would be all all bravado until it and then i just be like no this is this is i'm done this is not for me
1: it's the um is the pain you saw where the title of the book comes from is that the broken these broken people trying to run
3: I can't. I can't take credit for the title of the book. I'm afraid someone else came up with that. I was, I was procrastinating for so long but um, someone else titled it before I did. I mean, it's, it's, it's a. I guess it's a slight play on words, isn't it? Broken runners, broken records.
2: Do you think uh, sort of as the year, you know, as the year comes to a close and 2021 comes along and, and racing will hopefully return in some form. Do you think FKTs will remain be slightly under the radar things, or do you think they're just going to sort of like it's going to grow and grow and grow? it's interesting, isn't it? And
3: there's the question of what racing will look like in the next few years Like you you wouldn't anticipate 2000 people lining up in Chamonix to run UTMB. Um, But there are other considerations as well. This is something that Beth Pascal speaks about, which is that she is always drawn to racing, because that's where the highest standard is she wants to test herself against the very best runners. But years like this, when loads and loads of records get broken by loads of really, really good runners, the prestige of those rounds and trails increases. And so the likelihood that they will appeal to the best athletes also increases. So Beth's very open about the fact that she would never usually have made time to do the Bob Graham. This year, she was gonna run Western States and UTMB because they're the two biggest races in the world. And she would have done that sort of thing pretty much indefinitely. Um, But if if you can get that same sort of standard of test, albeit in a different environment closer to home, maybe that's something that people would consider. And there's also the, the travel aspect. People are increasingly aware of the impact of flying all over the world to go to races. Whereas if you can get on the bus in Penrith and go to Keswick and run the Bob Graham,
2: maybe not as not as bad i think maybe the year has allowed more and more people as you say like beth had time to focus on it so then you get more athletes having the opportunity to concentrate on these unknown or unchallenged routes or perhaps a time that they think oh, i could beat that and they would never normally consider because they would be racing so then more and more people do these races and more and more people do these routes and these and they create fastest known time and it, it suddenly becomes Oh, well, if that person has done a fastest known time then I should (laughs) definitely try and break it. So the sort of the, the degree of competition kind of amplifies the importance of these, these known times, I guess.
3: Mm. It's quite funny. Actually, there's, there's another part to this, which is that because there was no racing, people could put together much longer, more consistent blocks of training. Um, Kim Collison spoke about this. He broke the Lakeland 24 hour record. And he usually races quite a lot, but this year he wasn't able to, and so he got into the best shape of his life. But then you ask him if the fact that he was able to get so fit this year will mean that in future he races less. He hums and haws for a minute, and then he says no.
0: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
3: And I heard the same thing from, um, from Joe Meek, from any number of people. And people just love racing, which is something that you're not going to replicate on one of these runs. You're not standing on the start line next to however many other people.
2: Is there a sort of a, a round or a trail that has yet to be conquered that you think is going to be the sort of the next sort of like uh i don't know like the king alfred's way or or something that's you know uh i i do not know what the king alfred's way is
1: i'm glad you didn't either <laughs> okay
2: oh <laughs> uh, well, so the king alfred's way it's a bike route it came up on i can't remember it was like bicycling uk or something had have have put together like a a completely uh gravel off road kind of 300 i think it's about 350k loop that sort of goes via winchester and stuff like that and so like even this year that popped up and i was just suddenly like i reckon someone will run that at some point point. and there's all these sort of new routes that just sort of like appear you know or possibly like lost byways um you know uh ancient roads that people have cobbled you know that as people explore and they get on the os map and they kind of go oh uh, you know maybe i'll have a look at that and then all of a sudden it's like oh well there's this fkt for the ridgeway or you know it's kind of um, do you think that's, you know, there's going to be one, or do you think it will always be the classics? It will be the rounds that people will always want to do faster.
3: There have been a few things this year, actually, that have been around for ages, but which have had very little attention. So there's the Dartmoor round, which was first done um, on New Year's Eve in 1999 and had since then it had, had four or five completions and then this year the number of people who've done it has just tripled patrick divine Wright ran it three times this summer <laughs> Um, likewise this the steve Parr round which is a, a round of all the two and a half thousand foot hills in the lake district i think had only been done once but then this year uh i can't remember five or six people have done it and so yeah, there's, there's there's a sort of spotlight on some forgotten roots or things that have just got a bit dusty over the years. And it's it's hard to predict what's going to catch on, right? Because when like you look at bu- the Bob Graham, when he did that, he was breaking the Lakeland 24-hour record. And there were Lakeland 24-hour records before that. There have been quite a lot of them since. But his is the one that caught on for, for whatever reason, whether it's the aesthetics of the route, it's a balance between challenging, but achievable for most people, whatever it might be, it's now got thousands of completion, whereas like it, the record that came after it has probably only been run once. You know, like Alan Heaton's run from the middle of the 50s, no one's ever repeated it. And so, Yeah, it, you, you don't really know what the next big thing is going to be, I suppose.
1: I quite like um, the idea that you're putting like a a kind of really nice, positive, you know, spin on this year where no one's been racing. But I've kind of, you previously said FKTs were the conquest of the useless. What do you mean (laughs) by that?
3: (laughs) Um, That's a phrase that I think comes from a French mountaineer called Lionel Terray, and the title of his autobiography was uh, Conquistadors of the Useless. It's also the title of a Werner Herzog book about dragging a ship between two rivers in the Amazon. Um I suppose it's it's it just attempts to capture this idea that people go to an extraordinary amount of effort, put up with a tremendous amount of suffering, in the case of mountaineering danger, to do things which have some sort of slippery intangible spiritual worth but which practically achieve absolutely nothing (laughs) so you know damien (laughs) hall looked along the pennine way in two and a half days it makes a bunch of people feel good but i don't know it's not curing any diseases is it
1: yeah i guess maybe that's why we've clung to it this year because we all want something positive, maybe something impressive, like, you know, we've not got any races to watch. Maybe that's, maybe that's why 2020's made everyone get on Strava and work out where to run and go for an FKT.
3: Oh yeah, it's a great, it's a great source of, um, well, diversion, if nothing else. You can, you can watch someone's dot crawling across a map for a few days and forget about everything
2: else. <laughs> <laughs> Dot watching is a serious pastime, though. That takes some. That, is, oh, yeah. that in itself yeah. takes some real commitment. You've got to be, you know, you need your, 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 your snacks to be on point. You've got to stay hydrated if you're going to do some dot watching. It's very important.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you need to have all the relevant tabs open, right? Yeah. You need <laughs> list of
2: records, you need weather forecast. Exactly. Need, oh. Yeah.
1: Wi Fi connection. Yeah. <laughs> it's all. It's all to play.
2: Um. Jane mentioned Strava there and I feel like sort of <clears throat> people might understand the, the, the segments in Strava kind of tie in with an FKT in the same sort of principle whereas people have marked off bits of road that have become a segment of worth and people race for it. Do you think that sort of plays any role in people looking or certainly understanding and maybe chasing FKTs a bit more or do you think that's just a sort of a byproduct of all of this stuff? It's
3: hard to say, isn't it? Um yeah, you know, like a lot of a lot of these records um, predate Strava yeah. quite significantly, right? Like, I mean, Twenty Four Hour Records goes back one hundred and fifty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I suppose it's it's maybe opens people's eyes to the fact that they can have competition outside competition. Maybe, and like certain, um, you know, like certain training groups, certain clubs will always have kept, you know, times for their like standard training routes and stuff like that so it's maybe always been around but things like Strava make it more accessible more public
2: yeah I think that's it maybe that's it most Strava's just sort of rehashed the FKT everyone knew about them <laughs> and they've just the segments is their version of it I think they did
1: a... the local the local legend this year too which I quite liked because you know, I going achieve. back to going back to my my street, which I won't name because I don't want people coming at me. But like, <laughs> I am the local legend on my street. I mean, there's that is my 2020 achievement. I've not raised I feel
3: like that, that's quite low hanging for you. Isn't it, it really is. <laughs> so but I've you're, got you're it. You're literally the local
2: legend. You live there.
1: I know. But I've got it though. It's mine. No one can take <laughs> it from me unless they run off and down oh. my street. As well, much Jane, as I, I like know that. where
2: you live, so you better then be careful because
1: you'll have to you'll have to move in to beat me because no one can <laughs> that's
2: true that's true um, <laughs> um do you think there's any danger of like fkts becoming so specific or obscure that they become meaningless i mean we've talked about how they're a nice distraction but they're not really worth a huge amount should we say in terms of value um or do you think that they'll always have this, a, a particular place in running some, some of them will yeah um
3: i mean you 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 look at the proliferation of new things that has happened this year, and there's always going to be some dilution of the worth of the whole lot when that happens. Um, But I suppose cream rises to the top, doesn't it? The most prestigious records will be the most durable and will hold people's attention long after. The dross has kind of blown away. <laughs> so, yeah, things like the Pennine Way and the the big rounds and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, they have a lustre to them which is not found on everything.
2: That's very true. Yeah, you've um you've attempted your own FKT type challenges, including a, a winter Bob Graham round, uh, in <laughs> which you you accidentally missed a summit, I believe. If you wouldn't mind t- uh, telling us a bit more on that. Oh god.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd say it was winter. Right. It was. It was in December, but it was fairly mild, I suppose. Um. Yeah. So I, I just drove down to Keswick on my own. I didn't have any support. Um, I'd been on some of the route before, but most of it was new to me. I uh, didn't have a GPS or any of that sort of stuff. Um. It's one of these things. In hindsight, I can see exactly what my
2: several mistakes. I mean, were you've out. listed some some quite <laughs> obvious things there. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, well, no, but that's it. I, I missed Sergeant Man. Yeah. And I've I've never been back to go up it, and I maybe don't want to because I'm still in the huff. Um, but that run is is still one of the runs that I think has been most valuable to me and i wouldn't go back and change any of that stuff in order to make it you know successful
2: yeah yeah of course
3: yeah you know, i think if i'd had a whole team of pacers who knew the route and i could just follow them around and all that sort of stuff and that meant that i actually you know completed the right yeah, yeah. as opposed to and and I only find out a few days later when I plugged my watch in. I suspected that I hadn't been to the right place, but I didn't know for a while. But um yeah, I don't know. The the um, the self reliance aspect of it is something that I find very, very rewarding. You know, you're trudging across the fells in the middle of the night, you can't see anything, it's really cold. And, um well, yeah, I get a lot from that. That's probably well, it is more important.
2: I, than, be, I would know, say, surely, difficult. the reward in itself is the is is exactly as you say. The the you could go out there armed with paces and with technology and with all sorts of stuff that would enable you to be a bit more accurate. But the whole notion is that it's about a self endeavour. It's about a a, a challenge, or uh, that you are. It's probably the the odds are not in your favour to actually complete it. And that's, that's kind of why it's, these things are so heralded.
3: Yeah, and, and one, of the, one of the things that you see if you look at the list of all the stuff that's happened this year is that people, people take different approaches. People have different styles. And, you know, like Kim Collison's winter Bob Graham record, he had Pacers and all the rest of it. But he ran like 15 and a half hours. <laughs> so that's what makes that unbelievably impressive whereas if you're if you're going out to do it on your own you're going to have a very different experience you're going to get different things from it
2: yeah absolutely all right well look um ali thank you so much for joining us and for chatting through uh fkts it's a it's a part of running that i think is incredibly uh interesting and possibly a bit more sort of uh as a a lone runner i always i always think that the personal endeavor to do these challenges is kind of where a, a real so, uh, source of joy from running can come from even though i wouldn't do one myself but uh i think it's uh it's amazing and uh and your book oh, is out you should. should yeah well maybe I should. maybe I should
3: maybe i should I was writing the book it's really elitist yeah because it's all about people breaking records but you know your average club runner can get just as much worth out of something like this as your you know
2: semi-professional I would do. It. All right, there we go. There's 2021 challenge accepted.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, Ali, is your is your book? Is it out now? It out soon? Um, I think it's technically out
3: on the third of December, but I believe that pre-ordered copies have already started showing up at people's houses. Oh, even better.
2: All right, there we yeah. go, everyone. It's called Broken. It's about uh, FKTs in 2020, and it's the most perfect Christmas gift I've heard. So there we go. <laughs>
1: Get out of lockdown and run to your bookshop is the message we can leave everyone
2: with. Um, Ali, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, pleasure.
1: So that brings us to the end of this week's Run As World podcast. A big thank you to our guest, Ali Bevan, and of course, you for listening.
2: Subscribe to Runners World magazine today to get three issues for just £5. Visit hearstmagazines.co.uk slash podcast to get this exclusive listener offer. The Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes and all of your favourite podcast apps search Runners World UK and subscribe. You can even leave a little comment if you want, just saying, hey guys, really love the podcast. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.
0: Great.